In a world controlled by passionless conglomerates, there's a place where artisanal producers bravely break the boundaries and craft wine, beer, and spirits their own way. That place is Tin City, and this is their story. You've tuned in to the Tin City Podcast with Patrick Brooks and George Newmare. Welcome back to the Tin City Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We had a little hiatus there for the last month, but we're back, ready to rock and roll with this audible chocolate coming straight to you over the airwaves. That's right. I'm Patrick Brooks. And I'm George Newmare. And we're here with the Tin City Podcast to talk about all things Tin City and, and a whole lot of things that aren't. That was my line. Try it. Go for it. And a whole lot of things that aren't. You're right. That sounded way better. I can do it too. (laughs) (laughs) And today we've got some awesome guests here. We're here with Drew Ninao and Jeff Strakus of Onyx Wines. Gentlemen, what's cracking? What's up, Pat? I, I really just enjoyed the aren't thing. I like started thinking about the radioactive man uh, Simpsons episode. <laughs> <laughs> just I- imagining both of you guys forcefully saying are not instead of aren't. <laughs> <laughs> we we are we are radio men. It, it was the whole uh, up and Adam being the spoof of up and at them, but because they or- had a uh, Rainier Wolfcastle playing radioactive man, he kept just going up and at them. <laughs> Yeah. If you've ever been to Onyx, this is Jeff, ladies and gentlemen. So that's why they stuck you in the vineyard, isn't it? <laughs> it, it can't hurt. I mean, <laughs> the, also, I, I have heard rumors of Jeff walking through the vineyards nude at night under moonlight, you know, full moonlight, whispering to the grapes. Is this true? I, is I that probably just it? got uh, thrown out of the house and uh, had to go walk the dog or something. But it's our own form of biodynamics. <laughs> we put a full moon out there, and yeah. Things get magical. You remember Up and Adam Ant? I remember Adam Ant. Was Adam Ant. Up and Adam Ant. Up and Adam Ant. And he's a superhero ant. <laughs> Do you remember that guy? Oh, I remember the cartoon. Like, yeah, that the cartoon. That was like an early 80s thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, was, I think it was before It was like thinking. an ant with that weird little helmet on. Like, yeah. Up and related Adam. to the tick in any way? Spoon. <laughs> mm. It's before my time. Wait. What? I know. I, that's why I made the tick reference for Spoon. It was Battle Cry. Oh. It's been a while since Tick I've would yell spoon and Arthur would yell not in the face. <laughs> <laughs> the battle cry. Okay, so this that's also something Jeff does with the grapes at night. He spoons them. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a while to get through the whole vineyard. But <laughs> one grape at a time. <laughs> well, one cluster. I'm I'm not that small of a man. <laughs> <laughs> they dig it though. So okay, <laughs> this is a very dynamic, you know, wine team here at Onyx. Like very few wineries have the A team that you guys have. Andrew and Jeff, you guys, you guys, and you function so well together too. Like right before we got rolling, you were talking about how you've been doing this since 2015, right? The two of you just yeah. So killing Drew it. was the uh, first person I was involved in hiring at Onyx. So he uh, quit a. Surprisingly good job to come and be an intern for us in 2015, and uh, the gamble paid off. Yeah, especially when I came to interview, they were all in cubicles in the owner's garage, and uh, this winery was being built, so that was a big draw, knowing that there was there was going to be something new, and just a chance to get into Tin City. The first time I rolled into Tin City and saw Pat and George in Tin City shirts, I was like, this is the place. <laughs> <laughs> we would have never worn those, for sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, we so, caught a lot of flack for those. We that was the one and only one deals. Yeah. Oh my god, I love them. <laughs> Bring them back. Please. I think we still have a sticker on one of the computers in the tasting room that's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. That would have been us either. I don't even know. We we made ornaments one year. I know that. So <laughs> for Jesus. Uh, so. <laughs> He turned water into wine. He yeah. would have been so down yeah. with Tin City. Bartenders always have a problem when he walks into the bar. You know, he's like, I'll just take a water, guys. <laughs> and the bartender's like, damn it. <laughs> Every time with this Not guy. Not again. So, <laughs> yeah, he just makes his own wine right then and there. So I mean, that's pretty much what it's like with you guys, too, right? This is divine. It's a miracle that's happening I mean, over it here. It is for me. Like, I'm not even uh, all that involved anymore. I just, like, hand wave and uh, they do their thing and it magically becomes wine. Oh, it takes more than that. You, you really have a good mind for this thing, you know? And so I know to the point where, like, Drew, you make your own wine now, too. You've got Nino family wines. Right. So Jeff must be much more intelligent than the rest of us. He's just working for somebody without, like, any of the the, uh, the headaches that come along with owning his own business. Uh, we, you know what that. I tell people? I have one line. I'm just like, well, I like the idea. However, I also like the idea of retirement. Mm. <laughs> God, when you're right, you're right. Damn it, Jeff. I know. So. But I don't, there's no one that I've worked with so closely for that long period of time. I mean, I'm 31 years old, so to think that I've worked with somebody for seven years is... I mean, it, it's it's pretty special. I think Jeff and I have uh, worked together long enough, and we've seen everything together <laughs> at this point. Oh, God, he just jinxed us. <laughs> <laughs> there's, you're, there's always more to see, man. The, the Paso locusts are coming right now. I can hear the plague. <laughs> let's hope they don't come soon because we've got some wine to drink here, guys. So, like, let's start it off right here, right now, because it is sweltering and... Just hotter than cojones outside right now. We've got something refreshing, scrumptious in our hands. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Prost. Okay. What do we got going on here, guys? This is our brand new vintage of Field Day 2021. Uh, this wine... You having a Field Day with it? Field Day and all over this. No it's... one's ever actually made that joke before. <laughs> That's amazing. You're the first person. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. Mama. <laughs> 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 But this is uh, Sauvignon Blanc. So in the past, it is a, it's been a blend of Sauvignon Blanc, Viognier, Grenache Blanc, the three white varieties that we grow on the estate property. In Wait, the er, like you know, needle scratch Sauvignon Blanc in right. Paso Robles. That's right on the west side. Hell yeah, the Templeton. What you talking about? Templeton Gap is perfect for it. Honestly, it's uh, you get a mix of both the cool climate and the warm climate Sauvignon Blanc in this wine because you know it's obviously hot as shit in Paso most of the time. And in the Templeton Gap around two o'clock, three o'clock, you get like That's an air cool, conditioner baby. and blow yeah. it off. So uh, also clonal selection. We've got Muscay clone, which is a ton of that tropical guava mango. That's and what then, you get with this. That's exactly, exactly what this tastes like. Yeah, it's just like uh, tropics in a glass. And then we also have 530 clone and Wenti clone out there, which Wenti toes the line, but 530 is totally New Zealand grassy herbal Mm. So you just get a flavor of that, and it makes it so much more typical Sauvignon Blanc because of that factor in there. So we've actually made the change over the last couple of years. It used to be 55-ish percent, 60 percent Sauvignon Blanc, and now we've taken it all the way up to 80, 90 percent because we have a place that makes Sauvignon Blanc as Sauvignon Blanc should be. So why blend it out? You know, no, yeah, for it. sure. Like the, it, It's an amazing place. I know our family wanted Orchard is like right down the street. From your guys' vineyard over there, and so I was oh, that the one just like down across the street. Yeah, right. You know, by the you throw a rock to it. 
Yeah, yeah. You can you can yodel over to it. So the two of you aren't doing like a walnut stout collab or anything. Actually, Whoa. we do pick the the walnuts for the nochino. Yeah, that is fun. We do that. The side of the tank says D's nuts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how could it not? Yeah, really? I'd be disappointed. Touché, if it exactly didn't. right. Yeah, you know, we we do that. It's kind of a thing George and I do every year. So we go over there and uh, yank the walnuts off pretty soon. Actually, that that has to happen yeah. uh, towards before Bastille Day, July fourteenth. That's that's the cutoff. It's my birthday. Yeah. Oh, you so. have the same oh, birthday so as our cellar guy. Matt. Cool. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, July nineteen here, so just missed. Mm. So, cool. oh, so you guys oh, pull yeah. the uh, walnuts really early, though, don't you? I feel like for picking, at least for eating so that, it's more like harvest uh, wine time. You know, for, yeah, for Nochino, you got to get, get to them before the shell has formed, but the nut has, right? So in the green husk still. It'll be end of October-ish before we get the, the walnuts. Like the, I thought you were just going to say you got to get to them before the squirrels do. Yeah. That's also yeah. Those <laughs> little <laughs> domestic terrorists yep. out there running around eating the, all the nuts. So yeah. They, uh, they're bad. They'll mm-hmm. get you every time. Where this, this vineyard is, and you guys are all estate grown? Did I 90, make that up? Like 95%. Uh, yeah, we get a little really bit of fruit from uh, Bien Nacido, who oh, that's you know, a also vineyard. doesn't suck. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear nothing. They but don't know what they're I, doing. I think that's their marketing tagline. We're not that bad. <laughs> We're not that bad. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, our yeah, grapes we, don't stink. We do a little bit of Pinot Noir, too, that um, our associate winemaker, uh, Lily McLaughlin, uh, she manages a Pinot brand because I don't know how to make Pinot, and she's awesome at it. So she, um, this <laughs> know your year, strengths. I yeah. know exactly right. So we've done Zotovich Pinot. Um, we did some Santa Lucia Highlands Pinot. Um, also, Edna Valley pretty Pinot. good place. Yeah, yeah. So Aviatrix is that label that she does, and those those comprise the two wines that are not a state. Everything else is okay. And, and you guys have a lot of moving parts here at Onyx, right? I mean, like, this is a pretty big team, all in all, compared to a lot of other wineries in the area, or in Tin City specifically. You just mentioned off the cuff two or three other winemaking team members, right? And you have plenty more than that. Where are these decisions all being made? Are, they, are these big team decisions you get together? We're going to switch up the percentage of varietal, uh, the percentage of this varietal in this wine. Or does it happen right here, the the brain trust of, of Jeff and Drew? Well, I feel like Jeff very much set the framework for um, this brand and the portfolio and the wines. And he's still super actively involved in what we're doing. And for in good reason, it doesn't absolutely. suck. <laughs> <laughs> you guys must be doing something right. And obviously um, I have to give Jeff so much credit because you can only make the only, the wine can only be as good as the grapes are. And Jeff has done a phenomenal job with the estates and the growing, growing the grapes and the quality thereof. So, but as far as the winemaking, and the blending process, which is obviously huge to us. Sure. Our philosophy is that all of our collective palettes and our experiences together are the best path forward to making the best wines possible. So I have my palette. I have my preferences. I have the things that I'm aware of. That's going to be different than Matt and Lauren Fessenden, our assistant winemaker, and Lily's. So the collective whole, if we can, we seek a wine that we're all happy with, all that we're all proud of. So it's very much a communal. communal well, and wine. I think I take a lot of pride in from the beginning when I started here and we started hiring other people. I wanted everyone to be involved in the process. I mean, Drew can attest that as mm-hmm. an intern, well, shoot, I mean, even, um, you know, during his interview, we made him blind taste a bunch of like Saxum and other high-end wines and made him like spit out opinions on them. And good from there, getting into just, you know, working there, everyone should be involved because I want everyone to be able to actually care enough to have an opinion. Like, you know, even in the interview, like as Drew found out when roles were reversed and he was interviewing other people, 
the intent is not that there's a right or a wrong answer. It's that you're willing to have an answer. Well said. You have everybody's opinion in there. That's much more representative of people that are going to be trying the wine in the future, right? Like everybody has different different palates and to have a collective group that's tasting through everything and making decisions uh, the whole way through. I think that's, I think that's important. Yeah. Also, what the hell was it like interviewing with Jeff, man? Because <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you were a force to be reckoned with, sir. Was that something else? I think Jeff is particularly good at ice breaking. Like guy comes in with an For ice, sure. a pickaxe. So the why everybody <laughs> likes you. Yeah. You don't <laughs> walk What's into the polar bear way <laughs> enough to break the ice. Hi, I'm Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he met his, uh, his wife now. I so mean, if you don't stay for a long time, close enough. I can't remember what the icebreaker was on Bumble, but technically the woman has to make first contact on the app. So mm. yeah. So, so she so. broke that ice. Yeah, yeah, there it goes. You, you, they were already digging you, eh? <laughs> it was my entire profile. is just a bunch of pictures of the wine, you know. Yeah, and the silhouette of you in the moonlight and naked in the vineyard. <laughs> Spooning a cluster. That really is what, what, what picked her attention right away, huh? She's like, oh, I must have him. He's so, collectible. One thing I'm kind of picking up is, um, you know, around here in, in Paso, a lot of wineries buy their grapes from different vineyards, but you're kind of more of a traditional winemaker in that you're also taking care of the vineyard. You're also making a lot of vineyard management decisions. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are out there making day-to-day decisions, but you're deciding what yeah, direction you want these so, grapes to go in, what I mean, clones you want grown. We're, we're really fortunate in that respect. I mean, uh, well, I think if everyone could do it their own way, it would always be the, well, of course, I'm going to have this uh, vineyard intended for years and decades, but... The truth is it's a fairly ludicrous investment <laughs> and uh, prices <laughs> yeah. have only gone up in the last uh, few years. I mean, we all saw what uh, the COVID period did to uh, real prices in this yeah. area. Yeah. And then on top of it, like, what's it cost to plant an acre of grapes, right? I think we're up to what, like uh, 40K an acre Yeah, right 40K? Now. Okay, so yeah. So buy the property and then you got to go do that. And then yeah. wait a few years until you actually get something out of it. Yeah, this is not something you can just anybody can just do at right. this point. So definitely uh, massive props to the uh, long-term vision of uh, Steve and Brenda Olson and, uh, you know, getting in on land uh, earlier here when it was cheaper, starting the vineyard, uh, expanding the property, then slowly, you know, moving plantings along, recognizing even when something like Kyler Canyon Vineyard, uh, our second estate, came up that it was uh, just going to be that great of an investment Mm -hmm. moving forward. And it puts us in this position where, you know, not only are we controlling our own wine for production, but I'm also selling, you know, a good half of our fruit to uh, other wineries in the area. So, uh, you know, we get to both support our local community here in that way, while simultaneously uh, certainly having, you know, full control over your raw materials is what uh, every chef uh, fights over, right? Yeah, for sure. And you guys get that. It's yeah. unbelievable. What a, what a fun opportunity. And a huge responsibility. <laughs> That's a lot. Well, you take it on, but you also just accept uh, there are certain things you can't control, like, you know, the weather. Temperature. Yeah, anything weather-related. Let's just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's, that's a great position to be in. And they, they are really nice people, too. Uh, Steve and Brenda. Yeah, no, they've been, uh, you know, having worked for them for over a decade now, I can say uh, it's the company I've worked for that really does keep an eye out for their people in the long term. You know, the number of people I've seen come through who, you know, not only got paid, you know, above average wage, but like uh, really with an eye towards making sure people had a living wage. 
I've seen employees work their way up to buying a house, which in this county, in this state, is no uh, small feat. So, um, you know, it's just been cool to watch. And, you know, I know Steve, like one of his most motivating things, not just at Onyx, but all of his companies, it's, you know, how can I make this person want to be a long-term employee and not a short-term one? And obviously it's working. You guys have been around for a while, so... And a lot of the rest of the crew, too. Yeah. Right? You see familiar faces on this joint. And you kind of referenced it earlier, but there's a lot going on around here. I would say this place is dynamic. You know, it's like with the rentals that we do, the, the vineyard experiences, the Tin City experiences. Sure, it's not just growing yeah, grapes, I mean, right? Uh, yeah. Sending uh, 15,000 virtual tasting kits around the country. 15,000? Uh, Tell us more about these um, these kits. What was behind them when you guys launched it? What made you continue to, to do it? Well, I guess uh, the concept was probably an obvious one, like mm-hmm. at the start of COVID, right? Sure. Where, uh, all right, we're shut down for a month or two or 10. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so your choice is to either throw your hands up and say, outside of my control, you know, same as I suppose a weather issue in the vineyard or a hurricane or whatever, or you try to plan for the yeah, future. novel global pandemic. We had people to think about too, you know, mm-hmm. there was employees that we had a whole facet of the business that not, was now shut down. It's like, how can we utilize and, and keep people here and keep them busy and keep them employed? That was what a lot of the conversation was surrounding at the time. Absolutely. Sure. No, I mean, I think uh, we were all kind of losing sleep about how can we uh, keep everyone going. And uh, Steve and Brenda, to their credit, like committed for a certain period of time up front that they were going to keep everyone on regardless. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you don't want to plan on that going indefinitely. For the next decade, we will <laughs> your salaries. Each yeah, that's tough. And, yeah. and, you know, we ended up just kind of thinking, hey, it's not like people don't want to drink wine. In fact, they want to drink wine more is uh, generally the historical trend whenever there's any kind of issue like that that comes on. Sure. So, Obviously, uh, we have really healthy ways of coping with our <laughs> surroundings. Yeah. Things are going great. I'm going to drink. Things are going poorly. I'm going to drink. <laughs> Classic <laughs> Americans. People <laughs> drank more. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we all know that during COVID. I mean, and, like. And did the glass shortage affect that decision? It did. Um, that part, I suppose, fell on me. But e- even before we reached that point, uh, you know, when we first set this up, we ordered like a couple of those little cases of like, you know, 120 of the little two ounce bottles thinking, all right, we're going to sell a few of these kits. We'll see how it goes. And suddenly two months later, we're like, um, guys, we're going to need like 40 of these. Yeah, like a pallet. <laughs> and yeah. more and more wow. we realized, uh, you know, because if you're ordering the small quantities, you have to go through Berlin's like commercial website, which is just online ordering and sure. very inconsistent supply. So then I ended up contacting, uh, you know, our local rep and basically begging him to uh, slide a couple pallets over from a pharmaceutical order or something. Um, so then we uh, got those. And ever since then, I've basically been uh, working with another supplier to ensure our long-term supply. So while people kept kind of like running out of bottles, I ended up uh, just setting up deals so that we would periodically have a couple pallets rolling in and enough to kind of keep supply moving forward. And so these get shipped out, these little tasters get shipped out to everybody. And then uh, virtually you walk them through a tasting experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is it the two of you guys doing it too? Um, on or occasion, uh, we'll definitely jump in. We actually have uh, some modified versions of it where uh, even for our club releases, which I'm 
disappointed to say you have not chosen to take part in. But uh, uh, I've been to some of them. Oh, no, but, but we use the uh, virtual kits to do a pre-release tasting where Drew or myself or both of us will be involved in letting everyone taste the wines ahead of finalizing their order so they can choose exactly oh, cool. what bottles oh, that's uh, cool. they put into their order. Wait, so uh, I'm actually not in your club, but my girlfriend over there is Quinn. What, how come we haven't done that? You're dead to me. Thanks, Quinn. <laughs> you do? Oh, I'm just not invited. Okay. <laughs> so do you send out an, you send out an email to your, your wine club? You tell them, like, if you want to do it, it's going to be at this time? Like. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, basically they have to uh, confirm the order because um, we can, you know, obviously it's it's a Zoom thing, so we can only get up to, you know, 99 screens anyways. So we'll have a couple different dates uh, if there's enough demand, like uh, people will do that. And the truth is I think it's just another fun touch point, like a lower percentage of people will actually change their orders because of that. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's another differentiator that no other winery I'm aware of actually allows that kind of optionality yeah. to not only um, – you know, uh, specify which wines you want in the order, but actually let you uh, taste them ahead of time and help make that selection. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's super cool. Talk about interactive, eh? (laughs) But that's an example of one of the special tastings we'll be involved in. Um, Otherwise, we actually uh, are the person who had previously been our tasting room manager, uh, Sarah, who you've probably met at some of our events before. She actually, uh, you know, volunteered to take over the Onyx at Home department and really drive the virtual tastings and you know at various points like that department has gotten up to you know four or five people involved in uh, not just helping to take orders pack shipments but also deliver all of the experiences the pandemic is still an ongoing thing right we're over a big part of the hump right and people are still engaging in that that's great well it's become a large uh you know commercial business related thing as well so we have lots of uh corporate customers who uh We'll order, you know, 20, 50, 80 kits at a time. Yeah. Do like team building events. Uh, there's definitely been some unexpected and unpredicted uh, uh, customers who have really uh, taken off out of this. So, you know, lots of uh, Fortune 500 companies and stuff have uh, come back four, five, six times. That's bitching, man. So just the exposure as a brand is yeah. incredible. And Sarah's perfect for that operation, her professionalism, the one she brings to it. She's a, she's a psalm and she's one of the most knowledgeable people that I know about wine. So to, to have it come across as this professional presentation of these wines and know that they're being presented correctly and well, even through a computer screen, it's, I mean, that's the Although best. I think Drew unfairly makes her sound a little stiff there. Like I always challenge our salespeople to uh, kind of have their own unique voice and personality. I'm Sure, much like uh, being a radio host. Um, <laughs> and Sarah's, I always describe as dad jokes from an unexpected source. Oh, for sure. She knows how to... <laughs> oh, yeah, she whip those out. So. <laughs> yeah, but girl knows wine. That's pretty good. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about a lot more wine here in just a second, too, guys. We're going to knock through three flagship most popular... Well, they're all popular. Who am I kidding? Who are we talking to? So uh, three great wines here in just a moment. We'll be back in a jiffy. This is the Tin City Podcast. Party on. In Barrel House Country, beer is brewed for the people, not the judges. And good times are always on tap. 
with locations in Paso Robles, San Luis Obispo, Visalia, and Fresno. There's a Barrel House Brewery in your backyard. And in our neck of the woods, when we reach for a cold one, it's Barrel House Brewing Company. Good people, good times, and great beer. Welcome to Barrel House Country. Welcome back to the Tin City Podcast. It's time to get boozy with Patrick Brooks and George Newmare. Yeah, yeah, liquor for sure. Liquor's quicker, they say. There's <laughs> <laughs> something so, about never been sicker? What? Yeah, I, there's that too. I don't know. I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a prefrontal lobotomy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the Tin City Podcast. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We missed you. Did you miss us? Of course you did. Okay, we're here with Jeff and Drew. And as always, it's George and Patrick. And we are at Onyx Wine right now. But in our glasses, the sweet ambrosia, this nectar of the gods, dare I say. What are we drinking here, guys? (laughs) This is our 2013 Crux, which Jeff and I were uh, texting early today and said, let's each choose some wine to pick. And this was Jeff's choice. Um, this, predate, 13. this predates me. Um, because I'm old, I like to pick old wine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is when you were born. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Crux is, is the most traditional blend that we do. It's uh, GSM. We actually um, have taken a little hiatus from making this wine the last couple of years because it, it's traditional and we kind of wanted to keep it on brand of creating some eclectic blends, but okay. you know, through those years that it persisted, it's, it's one of the best delicate wines that we've made through those times. And 13, you know, kind of the, the spear point of the drought, super warm year, mm. um, crazy concentration, which typically those are the vintages that don't age very well. But this uh, is a 13 and this is singing yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. Singing. I think that, because it was at the beginning of the drought, we were afforded that concentration, but still ageability of the wine. This is so why it's alive. Why don't they normally age as well? They usually don't have the acid that okay. you need to really persist. And, sure. Or if you've got the acid or you've got the tannin structure, it's there, but maybe it's more catechin, like short chain tannin. Yeah. So it's in harsher. A hot year. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it comes off more bitter, and then it's got like a very um, condensed and awesome period of expression, and then it'll fall off rather quickly where because it doesn't have the acidity to, to carry it it doesn't and it doesn't have the long chain tannin which takes longer to break down and dissipate over time so when you have this is the reason that bordeaux ages for so, so long, long yeah is because that they have these long chain tannin and tons of acid and tons of phenolic development so i thought that, that tannin polymerizes over time and grows longer but is it like a kind of a curve and then they breaks down after a certain amount of time. I mean, that's my it, understanding. It can Jeffrey precipitate arc. out over time. Like even, um, so see, there was so originally it just drops. in this bottle, like there were some uh, longer kind of more crystalline precipitates that were at the right in the neck there. Okay. And uh, those are actually your phenolic There's precipitation instead of just tartaric acid falling out. Okay. But even, and it's rare for me to not want to nerd something up, but for all of our listeners... No, nerd there, up. Nerd, nerd up. Oh, no. Up. Go in the, I nerd. was going to go in the opposite <laughs> direction first and just say my generalism is like 
for a vintage that's super showy and expressive, like right after bottling and right up front, mm-hmm. those are the vintages you always wonder, all right, this is great now, but is it like going to sit in age? You know, when you're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, 2007 Napo was mm-hmm. kind of like the uh, first vintage that really got me thinking about like making wine in California. And while they were hyper expressive early on, sure. to me, they haven't like aged as well. They and fall it's off those a bit. vintages like, you know, when it's really cold, like 2011, where everyone kind of like wanted to ignore it and scored it low and stuff. Those are the vintages. I that was like, I'm going to stock seen, up right? on that because those are going to like age super well. And, and they, they have. have. Yeah. And for me, like uh, the, um, you know, 2011, like our Praetorian, our Tempranillo base blend, that was mm. the one like I kept uh, bringing those bottles to things like up until it was 10 plus years old, just because I was like, no, this is just hitting its prime now. Like mm-hmm. delicious. And that's not, that's a pretty temp heavy Blend that you guys make, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's definitely our most, uh, instead of calling it Rioja, like I call it Ribera del Duero, like it has that vibrant, youthful Tempranillo instead of being, you know, barrel aged for three years and then bottle aged prior to release for like another six. Yeah. That's a lot of longevity. We're talking about a decade for that varietal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are ones, it, I always find talking age is uh, such a personal thing just because sure. everyone in America, like none of us with very few exceptions, like grew up drinking like 30-year-old wine. So most people get into wine by drinking young wine, and you expect your sudden, you're just supposed to love like all this old wine when you have it, and then you have your first old bottle, and you're like, oh, that smells like a tomato leaf and sort of tastes like a cigar. Like, it's like, (laughs) it's hit and miss. You have to be kind of like practiced into it, because I think tertiary and secondary like flavor characteristics are not a natural thing to just immediately love. You know, I mean, uh, you might have been the exception, but, you know, how many kids have you seen take, like, you know, their first sip of beer when they're, like, eight years old and be like, oh, right. Well, why does dad want to drink this crap? Like, Gross. <laughs> totally. But I think unless you work in this industry or, like, are a big-time collector, you don't really get a chance. You're, you're so, so right to try wines that have been laid down for a long time, well, right? It's a lot of it's predicted longevity. Yeah, and, and I get asked this in tasting rooms a lot, and that's why I'm super honest with people. And I'm like, well, we design our wines to be enjoyable young, but to also reward aging if that's what the consumer's after. But I really try not to be that stereotypical person in a tasting room who's just like, you know, I I just can't stand when like a 25-year-old is telling me this wine's going to age 40 years. The fuck do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Can you run tests on the lab side to say that we have this higher proportion of this type of tannin versus this one? This this is going to age well or, you know what, we're going to, we're going to lay this down for a few years, and but then we want it to be consumed within five. I think you can work on a predictable matrix like that as long as you're willing to define exactly what your personal hallmarks are. Sure. I think the problem, and it's the same with, you know, arguing about appropriate levels of Britannomyces or volatile acidity or anything else. It's like there's no universally accepted you know, acceptable Benchmark level. for that, It's yeah. just this bell curve of some people like this, that, that or that. Yeah, and it depends on what's underneath the surface of when it does age and what are you actually going to smell and taste after when it is a well-aged wine. You don't know those things, and those don't show up in a lab test. So So you could test your types of tannin in there, but there's so many other compounds that Mm -hmm. you won't know until until, at least at this point. You you can say generally, like, there's, you know, this much... uh, long-term tan or chain tannin and you know this much of this and that and the ph is this like it's definitely a wine that will age if someone wants to age it 
but it's where it's uh, when the customer always wants to know, and I get it because we all want simple answers in our lives. Life's sure. already complicated. When people say, what is the perfect time to drink this? That's where I have to go all uh, Socratic method and start asking <laughs> questions in return and like, you know, tell me about your favorite bottle of wine you ever had. And, mm. you know, let's uh, start there and see, was that aged? Was that young? And, you know, I, I think way more in our lives, how amazing like a top bottle is, has more to do with what did we eat with it? Who was the company? Oh, what, for sure. What inappropriate jokes were we telling much more than uh, did I wait exactly 12.7 years before consuming it? You know, the, um, the Baron Rothschild was asked in an interview well before he passed away, um, uh, what, uh, what his favorite bottle of wine he ever had was. And he discussed a time when they were running from the Nazis and uh, they were at some little like French inn and he drank a bottle of wine with this French woman before he went upstairs and made love to her all night long. And he was like, that was the best wine. <laughs> and then the interviewer was like, so what was it? He's like, Fuck if I know, man. <laughs> like, it's like this bottle of Boone's Farm I uh, yeah. got in upstate New York. And, and you, the people in the tasting room too like, the longevity on this. Come on, you liar. You're going to go drink this tonight anyway. Yeah, you well, know you are. To distill where we're down and where we're at right now in the industry and and what we do as winemakers is the the expectation now is to make wines that are drinkable upon release yeah. and they can age. That that's is, California, that's baby. That's the standard. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You but have when to you say do both. they what? can age, is that like five to seven years? Is that like, it depends is anybody going to really, I mean, is anybody really going to hold on to it for more than three yeah, to I, five years? Not. I, I would <laughs> right? say five, six years is kind of like, if you're saying something could age, like that's yeah. to that's me a, a minimum acceptable number. But to your jerk. question, I think that, you know, my question in response would be, uh, what percentage of our customers even own like a wine fridge? Right. Like, yeah. You know, it, it's great. Like if you have passive storage, which would be, you know, amazing where you have like something dug down in your house where it's cool enough you don't need perfect conditions, but like, you know, for people who are going to sit on a bottle, what percentage of them are sitting, you know, next to the kitchen windowsill getting nailed by afternoon sunlight every afternoon? And, you know, I guess bigger question is just what's the old joke in the industry, right? How long does your uh, average customer age a bottle of wine? And the answer is, uh, I don't know, how long was the drive home? <laughs> it was a roadie sodi. <laughs> we popped that bad boy as soon as we left Onyx Wines. This, this isn't Australia. That's not legal here. <laughs> so, uh, but the, I, I think well, people drink a lot of stuff right here, right now, you know. And like, it, to, to your point, it's about that experience too. It's like, like I'm not going to think about, oh, I, I can't drink this one yet. It has two more years on it. I'm going to mm-hmm. think like, we're going to go to a bitch and dinner tonight. I'm totally opening that one, you know. But dude, you bring up a great problem, right? It's that fear we've created in our customer because we make it all too darn complicated. Like mm. I like to tell people in the tasting room a lot, like we have, and I, you know, will say this curse and mean it. Like we have fucked up as an industry that we have made our own customer so afraid of our product and making the wrong decision. <laughs> it's like, look guys, like it's here to be enjoyed. That yeah. is yeah. so far in a way, the most important thing that's like, one, two, three, four, and five, and maybe number six is like, all right, well, wait till the right window. But yeah. no, uh, you, yeah, classic winemakers, you guys screwed this up because like you could be selling twice as much wine if you said drink it tonight, right? Like <laughs> instead of like six bottle shipments, you'd have twelve bottle shipments because people would be 
crushing through that all day long. Yeah, so all you have to do is put an expiration date on all it. Bougelet. Everything's Bougelet here. <laughs> you know, it, watch people go, oh my God, this wine says it expires in a week. We got to drink it. That's why <laughs> uh, us distilleries, we got to figure it out, dude. Cans of vodka lemonade. Yes. You're not going to lay this down at all. How long should I lay this down for? Don't. Drink that shit, baby. I like that it, it says it gluten-free on it, too, by the way. Because it is gluten-free. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> we're, we're health nuts. Yeah, why don't you guys have gluten-free on your wine? Yeah, dude, it You're is gluten-free. missing out, man. Let's just get rid of the face labels and the artwork. And yeah, just, just like gluten-free. gluten-free. That should be the name of a winery. <laughs> <laughs> gluten-free wines. And we're like, oh, my God, drink this one. It's gluten-free. Does that mean you can sue everyone else who prints gluten-free? I'm going to now. Oh, my God. on our trademark. Yeah. There, w- I will own glutenfreewines.com before <laughs> the release of this podcast. <laughs> Let me just see if that domain's available. Patrick. How dare you? You should jump on it before me. So, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, uh, you know, the we, we get this, put that question a lot in the distilling biz because, sure, if it's distilled from fruit based products, like most of the stuff we do is, it's, sure, it's, it's gluten free, right? But actually, like, whiskey's gluten free too. And people argue with me about this all the time. But they're wrong because, like, we're, we're just distilling the ethanol out of that yep. base product, right? Like, there's no gluten in the ethanol. Like, if, if you understood how, like, what the literal scientific definition of distillation is, you would understand gluten cannot evaporate and then recondense. Correct. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, like, these whiskey products. I mean, I'm, there's some stuff out there that, like, they add back products with gluten in it. Like, the, the cheap BS that's out there that, that people might drink. I mean, if it's... Uh, I don't know, it's in some kind of sweetener. Maybe there's a gluten or whatever. I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, uh, for color or... What, you mean the uh, pre-mixed Jack and Coke? They just I didn't want to say it. it. I was trying to dance around <laughs> it. But yeah, so. Don't dance here. <laughs> We're here to dance. Uh, I don't do subtlety. No, <laughs> that's not your style, bro. And that's something we appreciate about you. So, it, you know, it goes back to that. The wines aren't subtle either. These are badass, amazing wines you guys are producing. And like this, this 13, uh, the crux is one of those. Really well done, guys. Okay, but I, I am out of talent juice at this point. Let's get you some talent juice. I need some talent juice, Drew. Help me. <laughs> what, what are we going for next year? This is our, so we're getting into more current stuff. This is our 2019 level 22, which is a newer skew for us. This is even uh, pre-current, right? This will be released in... Next spring? Correct. Yeah. Preview action. Oh. Ooh, so maybe are we the guys that get a we're building our We're building our wine club shipment right now. <laughs> do, we are the builders. I like it. You oh, know, and I, I you guys are one of my favorite wineries. When you moved on the block, it was so easy to just walk in. It uh, was clearly a high-end winery. Everything's so well put together. The whole experience is just so perfect and tight, but it was very comfortable, and it was very easy to walk in and do a tasting and ask questions. And it, it, it although it had like this, this great top notch feel, it wasn't pretentious. Um, I've always liked that. Yeah, about the, the, winery, the technical yeah. phrase we use uh, in our internal marketing meetings is uh, being not douchey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do it from the top down. So, which is hard to translate to other languages. Cause being not showery sounds like we don't bathe. <laughs> <laughs> But I promise we do. We don't smell bad. <laughs> you guys smell fantastic. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's great. So, thanks, buddy. It, you know, and you, from the win. top down, everybody's so welcoming and kind. You know, r- really, if it's Steve and Brenda, the owners, who I've had a chance to meet even before you guys were on the block at this 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 place I used to work for, or like 
you got like Dean, Dean Baxter, the guy like in, in charge of all those rental all the properties, rentals, right? Yeah, yeah. And like Dean d- goes the extra mile to make sure everybody leaves there going like, wow, that was the best day in the world, you know? So if you're the crew that's in the, in the tasting room right now, you guys, every step of the way, it's just top notch. And then the, it backs it up with the wines too. Like every so. step of the way. This is, you guys are really just a class act. I think Jeff alluded to it and was pretty clear with it that we don't want to put up any barriers of entry. We want people to feel comfortable coming to these wines because we truly believe in them and we want people to not have any feelings that prevent them from coming to the wines because we're just so proud of them. So Yeah, and you should be. Thanks. And and I chose 19s. We have two 19s. Hey, you're proud of days. this too, right? Because I, I would be if I were you. Well, in the 18s, we were talking about 11. 18 was kind of like 11. It was way tight, you know, definitely a more ageable vintage. And even right now in 2022, the 18s are probably need a little bit of time to open up, but the 19s are, are showy as shit. And they, uh, I just love the aromatics on them. They went to bottle last summer and, and I'm really, really happy with where they're at. And the level 22 is an homage to ownership to Steve and Brenda. Steve is okay. a builder down in, um, in Southern California, builds homes down there. And, uh, the number 22 is the master builder's number. So this was a wine that kind of made itself. Do you remember the, mm-hmm. the, the trial names that we had for this wine came together as a petite straw blend. And there was two, there was two hilarious names. Well, one just kind of we- like dumb, but one that was really funny. I think I always still get hung up on the, uh, other names for a uh, postscript that, uh, that came up. <laughs> I, I miss mandate. Yes, that was it. Yeah, that was one of the names that came up for it was mandate, and I can't, I couldn't not say man pause date. <laughs> it's like when you guys hang out. Yeah, it was like this is yeah. this is for this is for mandates. So uh, that's what, <laughs> if you're going on a mandate, you, you definitely want to bring this with you. It's kind of mandatory. <laughs> it doesn't really count as a separate word. That's that the same root. Yeah, mandatory. <laughs> You know, dude, until like six months ago, I thought if you got a manicure, it was a pedicure for dudes. <laughs> you did not. It's real, apparently it's not you. the case at all. <laughs> She's getting a pedicure and I'll get a manicure. I'll get a manicure. Get away from my hands. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of my favorite activities to do with my daughter is to go get mani pedis. It's the best. That's know, so dude, cute. We, we, That's we, so we can, sweet. We can, we can talk is... about this right now. Oh, I'm, man. I'm very comfortable with everything I do in my life. I fucking love getting a pedicure. That's so done, great. <laughs> it's so fantastic. <laughs> I've done it with uh, with my little lady friend over here like numerous times now. It's great. Yep. Plus, my feet are disgusting. I wear sandals all the time and stuff, you know, like I drop stuff on my toes. It hurts. But, like, I know I should wear boots. I get it. But, like, sorry, Osha. I really like sandals. And so, like, they get, they get, they get fucked up. And so Osha versus California, the standard conflict. Whenever I go into a place, they start talking to each other, and I can't understand them. And But they're clearly talking about my feet. And then For they, sure, right? And then they pull out the biggest grinder they can find. It's like saying, an angle like, grinder? Like, yeah, it might as well be a change. That, that a scene in uh, Dumb and Dumber, right? Where he comes out of the grinder to take his toenails <laughs> down before. <laughs> it's just like that. Yeah, they're like, yeah. we need the we need the big machine. Bring in the big guns. One. They, Drew's back. They, they they just like actually try to cut my nails like it's my dog at the vet. Like they just, like hold me down. So they they sedate you. Yeah, they give you a treble tool and they're just like. <laughs> they, they just influence me with treats. No. <laughs> 
Like, who's been a good boy? Jeff's been a good boy. <laughs> Works every time. They're holding too. it out to you. They're like, no, nice. Nice. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I'm not going to let them trick me this time. As soon as they have that trick, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll be a good boy. Every damn time. I get, I get in the van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I brought, uh, I, I, was, I was picking up a dog for my, my folks, actually, but I had my little dog with me in the car, and she hates the vet. She wants to... Oh. She she has projectile hey. um, defecated on them at one point on purpose. Like just she like let expressed it go. Expressed her she, anal she, she glands. Expressed her anal glands. She really hates these guys, and they're very nice. I don't get it. But like we we show up, she jumps out of the car, runs to the edge of the road, and like looks back. She's like, "I'll fucking do it. I'll run in front of this traffic right now before going in there." And I'm like, "You're not even here for you, man. Come on." Every year, I actually do tip them with a uh, wine because that's a tough industry to be in. So for sure, especially with. I, I always with dealing with you. I like to bring in some. Uh, is that who does your nails? For having to deal with uh, my dog. <laughs> yeah, like I said, just do it that style. Dude, what is it that Rose like can't fix? Right, like any problem, you're like, hey, we get some rose for you. Yep. Or like a little, little. It's one of the perks of the industry. Like everybody loves getting a bottle of something. So a little bottle of beer, George. Mm. Yes, yeah. yeah. it, it smooths everything over. So it what really counts does. as a little bottle of beer? Is that like, like the uh, eight-ounce ponies, like the little ones you one. click on your fingers, like, come out to play, <laughs> warriors. Yeah, that's exactly what I was referring to. We, <laughs> we'd almost segued back to the wine, and then... Almost. We were close. <laughs> yeah. We were so close. So we're going to have to because I keep running out of it. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. So we talked about what's, what's in the name, what's in the wine. So this wine has changed over time a bit. As I mentioned, it kind of made itself the first year where it was some barrels of Petit Syrah and some other Rhone varieties that were left over in the 2016 vintage that made a, a wine unto itself. And then it turned into a Syrah blend. And we were having a really hard time differentiating Level 22 and Reckoning, our flagship Syrah. So in 2018, I really a grape that I love to work with because of how unique it is and how singular it is, is Morved and its mm. ability to be shaped and melded. And also its ability to just say, fuck you, I'm Morved. I'll do what I want. <laughs> and, and I, and we were also lacking, especially with Crux somewhat uh, taking a hiatus. We were lacking wines with subtlety, with nuance, with lightness to it. And Morved does bring that, um, with the exception of the awesome mid palette that it has. So in a, in a way, wanted to make a wine that was more Ved focused because it's awesome. And also in the spirit of the name of level 22 being the master builder number, wanting to build and construct a blend from the ground up. And Morved so much is the base. It is the foundation of a wine so often because it has that mid palette and that um, strength in the core of the wines. But it's also very malleable. So um, we start there, and it's always a Rhone blend. Um, the 2019 has a little bit of Syrah, Grenache, and then just a touch of Viognier, which was co-fermented. For color? Syrah. Mainly, or for, for why? The Viognier? Yeah. So co-fermenting Viognier with Syrah, particularly at our estate. This is a really common practice. Um, the producers in the Northern Rhone do this a lot. Yeah. But again, Northern Rhone is a, a cooler region than what we're used to here in Paso. So in Templeton Gap, what we find is we have all this savory character that comes out of Syrah, chocolatey and tobacco and earthy. And when you throw Viognier in there, all of a sudden it's got this high tone quality to okay. it. It's so fresh. It's so alive. 
Um, and it just adds a whole other element to it. So we always do a few different uh, co-ferments with Viognier every year. And I, I like that Drew uh, went more of the honey badger route as to Mouved's, like, unique personality. I always see, I mean, I see where that comes from. For me, it's also a little bit like uh, Billy Madison in kindergarten where he's <laughs> just like, uh, I drew the duck blue because I'd never seen a blue duck before. <laughs> is that what people, because like, you know this whole, like, this is a real Morvedis, not like Monastrell, oh, actually like, Graciano. It's the Mouved. real stuff. The man. real deal. Like, yeah, this yeah. is like uncut, no bullshit. Th- this is uh, French Mouved, but to be honest with you, we do actually at uh, Cowler Canyon Vineyard have, have true that Monastrell one. planted. Well, no. Oh, you have so the Monastrell. I, I have real Monastrell, not Morastrell, because that's how it happened. It's right, the, it was Morastrell, uh, which is actually Graciano. Graciano yeah. is Morastrell. Right. We've all written the, uh, you know, we all, those of us with terrible handwriting and get paranoid <laughs> about this sort of thing can totally understand how a Cursive. small R and yeah. a small N got <laughs> confused with each other. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a real deal. It is the real deal. Oh, baby. It's good. It's scrumptious. All right. We're going to try more wine. We're not done yet. We like the real deal. You guys are bringing the A game. This juice, once it touches your lips, it's so good. Okay. We'll be back in no time. This is the Tin City Podcast. You're listening to the Tin City Podcast with George Newmare and Patrick Brooks. Wine Shine and Tin City Distillery is more than just vodka or whiskey. It's an idea distilled down to its most passionate form. The idea that the Central Coast represents California in its purest sense. Our spirits are crafted to embody just that. Forged with intention and local wisdom, our brandy, vodka, gin, whiskey, and canned cocktails are created for you. Ooh, don't you love that sound? Hey. Isn't it nice? Oh, was it good Instantly for you, too? Instantly more relaxed. I know, right? Pop a lemonade. It's and a, there's no chance you're getting scurvy with these things, huh? It's vodka a lemonade. summertime in a quarter second right there. <laughs> sounds like a Vin Diesel thing to say. <laughs> I live my life one can crack at a time. <laughs> I need to get him on Diesel. Cameo or something. <laughs> Do you remember, oh, um, you guys know... Uh, Evan over. Oh, is he still at Nikora now? Yes. Sorry, I always want to go. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I always want to go. Evan from like Terry Hogue, and I'm Evan's like, yeah, great. that was yeah, like yeah, eight yeah, years that was ago. Same Evan, different winery. Yeah, yeah but um, I remember once uh, we were drinking, sharing some wine bottles a while back, and he like had this game. Some other people had started where you do a dramatic reading of whatever's on the back of like any wine bottle or like beer can that you do. So <laughs> it was like the kind of game Patrick and I were basically meant to do. For. Yeah. Like it's just born for. doing dramatic <laughs> voice, having pauses at the correct spot. Of you the know. Surgeon General warning. Yeah. I mean, whatever you want us to read. <laughs> All right, Jeff, right now. On that level 22, the, go. There's not a lot written there. According to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because the risk of birth defects <laughs> consumption of alcoholic beverages impairs your ability to drive a car 
or operate machinery. <laughs> and may cause health problems. It was very Hamlet-like. Yeah, well, that's, he was holding a, a skull the whole, the whole time he did that, too. Where did you get that skull from? Uh, alas, poor Yorick. Weird. I knew him well, Horatio. <laughs> <laughs> Whether tis nobler in mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or by opposing them, to sleep, to dream no more. No more. <laughs> That was beautiful. <laughs> we I'm are crying. all stupider for having heard that. <laughs> bravo, bravo. Did, did you actually know that from the player? Was it like from Billy Madison or something? Combination of both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Reinforced by Billy Madison. By Billy Madison, yes. <laughs> so if there's another movie that needs to be rehashed, it's Billy Madison too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we I need to read college. <laughs> to go back to earlier in this with the pony bottles, I still feel the Warriors needs a remake. Mm. Mm. Wait, you know that you said that thing where sometimes nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about? Oh, that was the movie with the <laughs> clanging the podium bottles together, like, come out to play. Come on, Shaq used to make references to this all the time. And I, I don't think anybody knew what he was talking about when during that press conference, and it was uh, like totally yeah, silent. When he was, or when you're doing it, it was job. fucking amazing. It, it's a movie from like 78, 79, like, uh, it's a very strange interpretation of a bunch of gangs in New York, but they all have like weird over the top themes like on roller skates and mime face paint and <laughs> it just I mean you can probably no, Batman. You can probably Michael watch Keaton. it on YouTube. Like it is spectacular. But but Shaq's speech was yeah, iconic. He completely knocked off a speech from the opening ten minutes of the movie by the overall gang leader named Cyrus, who then gets assassinated at the end of the speech, which <laughs> sparks the entire Odyssean-like uh, venture home for the main uh, character gang. But this this underscores one of my favorite things about Jeff and my working relationship is that we're like an old <laughs> married couple that I've heard this like eight times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you talking about the Odyssean gangs again, Jeff? Here Fuck, we go. Man. <laughs> Jeff, can you just get to the part where you start singing like Ludacris? Like, yeah, Luda. That's one of my favorite parts of Harvest is when Jeff is feeling funky <laughs> enough well, to throw on Luda. You have Ludacris mode yourself? Dude. <laughs> I mean, I don't have the same speed. Like, you know. he's, he's the biggest Luda fan I know. Yeah? <laughs> Wait, Luda with the big head? I guess cartoon I'm not thing or lot, No, no. <laughs> like the rapper. Yeah, but... A- ATL. And his one little, you know, music video. He's got a big head. <laughs> oh, I remember that one. Now, yeah. <laughs> no, but that was like his like third album. Like, I'm going back He's to more like, like Holiday Inn. I'm like... Oh, oh, if oh I have Holiday to pick one Inn. album, without a doubt, it's Word of Mouth. <laughs> mouth. Mouth. There's no T-H M-O-U-F. in that. Yeah, no, there's no T-H. The, if you buy the album, it's spelled M-O-U-F. Do you think that's why Elon Musk named it Ludicrous Mode in the Teslas, too? Because he's a big Ludicrous fan? Probably. I mean, how could he not be? That's just an... You have to assume people are ludicrous. I, I think that that was not even a word in the Merriam-Webster dictionary until Ludicrous was born. That came after <laughs> the man Ludicrous, Why, right? And he doesn't have Poet Laureate next to his name. I just don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. He's, he really is. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, Biden's letting us down with that one. Just not, <laughs> oh, not acknowledging the word. <laughs> this the is a message. <laughs> The years he put in slaving away to your trade as, you know, a DJ and talk show host. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously, the the next Poet Laureate has to be ludicrous. Yes. For sure. Also, it would be a great name for an Onyx wine. (laughs) It kind of fits your guys' portfolio. Yeah, what would that be? It'd be like a, it'd have to be petite based. 
Or it'd be like, hey, let's come up with it right now. We're, we're, we're customers, right? Truth. We're going to come up with the blends. Bacarese or Tariga Nacional? Uh, oh, so they're making a port? Tariga's got to be you're making a port, maybe? A port named oh, you're, Ludacris? You're talking to someone who just came back from the Duro purely to drink uh, still wine. So, I mean, mm-hmm. varietal Tariga Nacional is probably their most made single varietal red. Also a very common rosé variety in uh, Portugal. And one of the five really? core varietals. Hmm. But are there only five? There's five. Original ones. You got, uh, He's not a winemaker. Tariga you Nacional, tell him. You tell him. Uh, Tariga Franca, yeah. or Francesca, depending which version of that you go with. Those are the only two I know anyway. <laughs> You've got Cezau. <laughs> You've got uh, Bastardo, which is just fun to say. That's Bastard. great. Is that for real or is Bastardo this a legit thing? Oh. You have to have Bastardo in your ludicrous. There's also a uh, white wine called a Tarantege do Pico, which is supposedly only exists in one tiny island in the Azores, which is a hybrid of... Verdello and Bastardo. Oh. oh. And that's the one I actually had to bring bottles back from because uh, there's definitely none of that imported to the U.S. But Hashtag bring back Bastardo. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> I see, you're the kind of guy that customs would want to stop, I see. Like, I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 they take one look at you and be like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's yank him. Yeah, oh, like who's no. doing the cavity search? One, two, three, not it. <laughs> I mean, they want to hear me talk. They want to hear the stories. It's just they're afraid of what they'll find, right? Right. Yeah. They're like, no, that's a great story. Turn your head and cough. <laughs> <laughs> and a bottle of Bastardo pop right out. <laughs> he keistered it. <laughs> and that's how it got its name. Bastardo. I can't believe you just made that a verb. <laughs> no. I'm so proud of That's you. That's how he brought back all the Bastardo <laughs> from this little island. Keistered. He keistered it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure what uh, Patrick's familiarity with the uh, importation system is from uh, Europe. But not actually, good. Yeah. You can actually put a couple <laughs> bottles in your suitcase. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it, if you have too much luggage, then you do what you got Well, you do. just call that a carry-on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like, $30 for a checking a bag? Fuck that. I, 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 I couldn't say, I missed the thing. When, when we yeah. came back from Ireland recently, we I was like, this is the way. And Quinn was like, it's not the way. I'm like, come on, it's the way. And we accidentally walked around everybody in customs. And somehow they were like, yep, come on through. <laughs> like, it was like, this way. We were like, I was like, how the fuck did that work? You're like the know. Mandalorian. You're like, this is the way. Yeah, this he just way. used his fucking Jedi shit. And told them this it was the really way. because I just didn't read the signs and I was totally wrong. And like, and they're like, this way, youngling. Fortunately, I'm confident enough to like well, be like, I'm supposed to. But be you here. bring up one of the secrets, like, and it's an unfair natural advantage. But if you're confident and have a deep voice, people just tend to like believe what you're saying, anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, you, no, we were waiting for you to say one other thing. Yeah, and I was thinking that. <laughs> I didn't know the appropriateness of saying the other thing, and I will totally acknowledge it. I walked through the exit of the Louvre because I didn't want to wait in the three-hour line to get in the Louvre. Um, And then I walked in there like, oh, they're not going to be able to speak to me. They're going to be so confused because I speak English and they don't. And, of course, they speak perfect English. Of course they do. So I had to make up a gibberish language. To just make it really awkward. Yeah, yeah. And they just just let me in. They were like, ah. Cool. Like, they only got so much patience for so many of these assholes every day. Do you remember Good the movie you. Euro Trip? Um, when they're at the Vatican. I and saw Road Trip. Because yes. I'm pretty sure 
that's what they thought. Oh, yeah. Those guys, <laughs> I tried that. They don't dick around the Swiss Guard. They look silly, but they're pretty badass. Oh, no, yeah, you don't. That, you don't that's not the guys. implication I was going for, but oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I got a spear pulled on <laughs> but me. But if you do walk right in front of one of the Swiss Guards, what, was don't it a pistol spear or a halberd? <laughs> I thought I've they had seen. the little axe head, like... And this is what you call off the rail. You just pull out your keistered bottle right in front of them. They'll get their attention. <laughs> I said, I, I, said I have an appointment yeah. with the Pope. He's expecting me. It's actually what the Rome style bottle was designed to do. That That's one hurts a little, a little more extra. <laughs> so what's in this wine? Guys, this next one we're drinking right here, right in front of us. The Reckoning. What do yeah, we think, huh? This is one of Let's the change the subject abruptly, shall we? Left turn. If we even have a listener left at this point, I'm blown away. So, like, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, okay, Reckoning. Thank you, whoever is still there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is our 2019 Reckoning. So this is one of the longer standing wines within the portfolio. And always Syrah-based with secondary petite Syrah mm. is always the second. <laughs> Fantastic. So, again, that kind of the same thing with Sauvignon Blanc, where it's got a toe in both cool climate, warm climate Syrah, savory, tobacco, earthy driven, but still that velvety, plush, tannin structure. And we kind of put that on blast by blending Petite Syrah into it, which yeah. obviously is so plush, so um, chewy in the tannin, which we only do about eight to nine days of maceration on the skins for the Petite Syrah to try and make sure it doesn't get over the top but yeah, that's not over the top at all it just has an ability to take the Syrah because Petit Syrah and Syrah have a lot of the same aromatics and particularly flavors but you use Petit Syrah and it it takes the flavors and it stretches it and makes it broad it takes it all across the cheeks and across the tongue and it just makes the wine so much more enveloped on the palate so uh, we found it as a perfect blending grape for Syrah as a backup component. And then we use, we always have a little bit of Malbec in there because it's like velvety smooth. So it, it just kind of ties the whole tannin structure back in. And Grenache or Zinfandel, um, in this vintage it was Grenache because 19 was, always, was already very showy. But if we need to introduce more fruit back into and get it back into the red fruit range, uh, that's where Grenache and Zinfandel come from. Now, Jeffrey... How long do you think this wine will lay down for? <laughs> At least like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean... That, uh, that's his drive home. Yeah. yeah. To me, uh, this wine has always been embodied like, you know, that you, you probably know the struggle of like naming products in a world where everything has been trademarked is uh, for sure a thing. And uh, coming up with Didn't a name. Jesus trademark reckoning? <laughs> uh, <laughs> close. It, it actually, I think uh, it might have been uh, the devil. But uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. That, I don't know. I'm not really familiar. That was actually one of the uh, inspirations. Tomato, so tomato. the whole reckoning <laughs> concept for me uh, back those 11 years, 10 years ago or whatever, like it came from uh, the original version of this was just a little bit brimstone-y and super savory. And it just made oh, us yeah. think of like that whole... You know, the legend of uh, Robert Johnson, like how he got his blues, fame, yeah. fortune, going crossroads. to the uh, crossroads at uh, sunset and making his deal with the devil. And, uh, uh, you know, this wine just always has a, that intense savoriness, that plush structure. And for me, you know, maybe just being involved in that original story it always makes my mind like go there. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it, it, this wine's great. They, they've all been great. Like, guys, well done. 100% across the board, well done. I love a winery you can go to, and instead of being like, you know, the only one that I re that really spoke to me was like this particular wine, right? That, that happens. We've all been there. You guys, uh, you know, you name it, it's all good stuff. And there are certain wines that you have to be part of the, the wine club to enjoy, I know, that are worth joining the wine club just because 
you have small lots of it or whatever it is, right? You can only mm-hmm. get it through there. And they're just, they're all outstanding across the board. So really and they're just, all unique. Yeah. Too. The, you, it's not just like one note. So that's, well, especially when you're doing a, a blending project and we make 12 different red wine skews <laughs> and to try and make 12 Our red people blends. Yeah. To try and make 12 red blends that don't, that they no all single out. one tastes the same. That's a, that's a challenge, but Again, through the farming that Jeff does on the property and, and us working hand in hand to the, the varieties and the clones too. We have 18, 18 different varieties on the property. And then when you factor in clones, it's like 40 different clones. So you got a lot of, a lot of colors to play with. It's pretty amazing. It's a real treat. No, it, it's, it's, it's well done. You guys are killing it. Now, Jeff, you know, you can pour this on your pancakes too. <laughs> Chocolate on pancakes? On pancakes. Why not? What it's is been done Disneyland? Before. Are we in vacation? <laughs> imagination land. Imagination. <laughs> your imagination at, at work. So, okay. <laughs> this is time. This is the time of the night. Ladies and gentlemen, for Shots O'Clock. Shots if o'clock. you are listening to this podcast, one of the lucky few. Can we play the shot, 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 shot? Yeah, we can. I mean, well, it's copywritten, too. We can't oh, really yeah. do that. But, like, good for, uh, what are they called? The What, what are the, those guys? The, uh. Lawyers? What's the name? They're not lawyers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, we'll cut this out. Do you want a black eyed peas? No, no, the black eyed peas. <laughs> fuck. What's their name? The Yin Yang Twins. Oh. Oh, that's who did it? That's them. Yeah, shot, shot, shot. Yin Yang Twins. Shake it like a salt shaker. Shake it like a salt shaker. Yeah, we can do that. But this is chocolate love, baby. If you are doing anything besides driving in your car right now while you're listening to this podcast. What if it's a self-driving car? Or driving a tractor. No, that's still... Well, the tractor, mm. actually, I can... Those I actually can are all the self-driving now. Slides. I'm days. into that. <laughs> that's okay, right? Sure. Yeah. We'll so like. But if you are driving, you cannot have a shots o'clock with us, okay? That we're laying the rules down. What if they have a water bottle? <laughs> no, you then they didn't listen it's, to your dramatic reading of the Surgeon General's warning about not drinking and driving mm, or operating heavy machinery. Well, I feel through. like you're excluding people who don't drink. Like, you know, I mean I A water is yeah, sure. Yeah. As long as it's actually water. We know how you folks are out there. Oh, okay. So don't cheat. Leave my Lithuanians out of this. <laughs> <laughs> they can do whatever they want. They're they're from Lithuania. Fuck it. So okay, they're in <laughs> big trouble right now with Russia because they're withholding. Uh, nobody cares. Let's get into that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is a problem we can totally tackle and solve right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is that because this is a vodka product? Uh, no, it has to do something with their withholding all um, exports going into. Is it Sevastopol? Oh, I thought it was just water translates to vodka in Russian. I don't know a lot about internet. Can that we might start this whole thing over? Yeah. So <laughs> it might be this true. This is all solid Maybe. gold. Boys. Yeah. yeah. You can okay. tell we've been doing this for a while. <sighs> Professionals, okay. don't try this okay. at home. So, please. guys, we've got chocolate love in our glasses. The game is shots o'clock. So what we're going to do is we're going to go around the room right now. We're going to say something we're grateful for. Okay. Yeah, it's, gonna it, be fun. it's not really a game because everybody's a winner. Yeah, I like that. Those wow. are the only games George, we play on George. the Tin City Podcast. Wow. You can tell we both have young children yeah. at home. We're like, hey, everybody's a winner. Yeah. You all get a trophy. <laughs> I always <laughs> lose. It's fine. <laughs> Sar- Sarcastable. <laughs> <laughs> I love 
love sarcastic ball. <laughs> there, there have been a plethora of South Park. You leave ski low quotes out outside of this uh, podcast. We, we, we've had breaks because it's uh, we don't want to get copyright infringement. Or whatever. <laughs> okay, so anyway, shots clock. We're gonna go around the room. We're super grateful for George. Hates it when I go first. Therefore, I'm gonna go first. <laughs> I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I, I am grateful. For the neighbors across Tin City. You guys are the furthest from me, pretty much, right? Way down here. I can't even throw a rock to you. We tried to do that thing one time where we set up the string with the two cans so we could talk to each other. The string broke. And it was, you know, All like, I heard was just... curse words the whole time. <laughs> I was like, fuck, this fucking <laughs> can won't work. So he, he's the right can, I guess. <laughs> you know, otherwise, just translates wrong. But like across this, the far, far reaches of Tin City. We've got friends. We've got people that we love. We've got great wine. This is the place to be. So, if you haven't fucked with Tin City lately, it's time to get fucked. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Right. I, thought, I thought you went the other way from get shitty, but you're... Yeah. Man, that's you, the next shirt. He's that's all the in. next shirt. <laughs> yeah. Get fucked. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, I know I said I wasn't subtle, but good Lord. <laughs> Really double down. I'm glad you went there. Thanks, thanks for going there. It's the end of the podcast. (laughs) This is Patrick. We call him Double Down. (laughs) Patrick Double Down Brooks. I'll I'll take the uh, pancakes in the Age of Enlightenment. (laughs) That's what you're thankful for? (laughs) No, I'm just quoting swingers now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty good, pretty good thankful thing, though. I mean, yeah, we do what we can. I mean, if you want me to, I will say straight up. um, One of my philosophies, uh, as long as I've been working, was. Always hire people better than you, and I'm thankful for my staff because they're all better than me at stuff, and uh, they do an amazing job. Mm. I couldn't agree more. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. That's what I I was going to say I was great. You were going to say that too, huh? Yeah, everybody I'm sorry. I thought that was a, uh, you hired me. I was like, oh, there's there's some unexpected shade from Drew. (laughs) No, I, I... uh, ditto, Jeff sentiment. You can't we, ditto. No, I'm not. I'm going to say something else. Okay, too. fine, fine. I'm going to say something else too. But uh, we really have some incredible people that work here at Onyx, and a lot is asked, and a lot of delivery between everybody that works here, and and it's just a well-oiled machine, and it would not be the same place without the people that are here. You have to have proper lubrication. <laughs> Oh, you set yourself up for that yeah, one. Yeah, I did. self alley <laughs> But Tin City, Tin City is what I'm going to say that I'm grateful for because I, I grew up around wine. I am a second-generation winemaker, and to have something as fresh and as fun and as energetic as Tin City with people like Pat and George around here, I'm so thankful that a place like this has invigorated and made me that much more passionate about wine. It's such a different place, sharing ideas, camaraderie. Um, I mean, it's the Paso mindset distilled down into a very small locale, and I'm so thankful for the neighbors that we have here and the people that inspire me. You're invigorating me too. (laughs) Thank God this is a podcast. (laughs) I'm not sure what invigorate means anymore. George, what about you? Fuck you guys. Cheers. <laughs> that is some Woo. chocolate love. My stomach is full of chocolate love. Oh. <laughs> Mine too. 
I think Patrick just pooped himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what chocolate love means. <laughs> well, you got the first part right. <laughs> oh, baby. Okay, so I did not poop my pants for the record. You've seen far too much Billy Madison lately. That is delicious, uh, by the way. That is awesome. Okay, this is the best part. It actually says this on the label. Ooh, make him read it dramatically. Oh, dramatic, dramatic reading. Dramatic reading. Just the top. Not the power bottom. Just stop. <laughs> Sorry. I only if, learned if what you power bottom. change that O to an I. <laughs> Chocolate lovers don't count the calories. True chocoholics know that the sweet ambrosia comes from the cacao tree. Trees are plants. Therefore, this bottle contains salad. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you write that? Yeah, and the TTB actually passed that. <laughs> they don't. They don't pass anything. Yeah, because no. you totally can't print a label without TTB approval. They have no. no, you, no he, you, <laughs> Shh, oh, they're not listening. No, we that, that, I have proof. They passed that. That didn't even. That, that salad that, didn't that even is, get tossed. Uh, they that's really totally did. Cool. I was gonna say toss salad is definitely the next <laughs> progression here. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna sum up this beautiful podcast. Okay, guys. Awesome time. We've got Onyx here. This you guys are the embodiment of Onyx. I'm sure everybody who listens to this so is going to be so fucking proud. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I better start preparing my resume. There's going to be a meeting for sure. You guys went all out on this for sure. You 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 are deep. deep well, your guys' podcast is just fun. Like that's Should what I really be. love about it. It's like I listen to it and I'm just having fun while I'm while I'm listening to it. So I mean. To make the second hockey reference, just to, my personality is that of a grinder. So I'm always going to sacrifice <laughs> myself for the team. So I threw myself out there, and uh, I wanted to make this the best show I could. Yeah. There you go. You're grinding, bro. I, I laid down <laughs> and blocked that slap bro? shot. <laughs> you grinded. You grinded, dog. But thank yeah. you guys for doing this. This is, it's, it, it is Tin City, you know? It, it's That's just it. We have a good time, City. man, you know? And you guys can come here and have a good time, too. So if you're having a good time with the podcast, feel free to go online and, you know, give us five stars. And if you're not going to give us five stars, please just don't do anything. That's fine. Um, so <laughs> we're Why even have us. multiple stars? Just have, like, star or no star. I mean, <laughs> isn't that how, That's how Reddit all works. reviewing has gone? Yelping Reddit? Yeah, Reddit like, is just the, the thumbs up or thumbs down. Which speaking of another one of our Wait, I thought there were like coins or golds and silvers. Well, it's an upvote or, or a downvote. Yeah. You know, it's not a I mean, I'm going to be honest. All I read are the uh, Am I the Asshole forums. So. <laughs> Siskel and Ebert really had it right. Two thumbs up, <laughs> one thumb up, no thumbs up. <laughs> okay, so I give Onyx Wine two thumbs up. Like the Fonz. Enthusiastic. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, if you want to learn more about Onyx Wines, go to onyxwines.com. I made that up. Is that's, that right? That's O-N-X. There's no Y. There's no Y. They misspelled it. Onyx.com. Onyxwines.com. O-N-X-Wines. If you Google it, you'll find us. You're good. Yeah. They'll pop right up. If you want to learn more about Drew's amazing More Than a Passion Project these days, okay, at ninofamilywines.com. Yep. I... I almost had that URL before you. Uh, so you go, go to NinoFamilyWines.com. If only you weren't all talk, same way about the other one we uh, looked at. Before. <laughs> oh, but I am. So, and, and then uh, Drew actually has his wines being made in 
Tin City now, too. So he's going to be on his own podcast pretty soon, just Nino Family Wines. So, Jeff, you can come if he lets you. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know how I said we don't smell bad? It's just that Jeff smells bad, so... I think you smell good they, today. They might though. not let me in. You like, smell good is that why you guys put both of us on the same side of the table? <laughs> yeah, George, we we we're up. We wind. didn't really want to talk about your aromas, but <laughs> if you've never seen George, he's the one that everybody thinks is homeless in Tin City. That's George. If you see me, give me a dollar. <laughs> People have done that. Legitimately, somebody has given George a dollar. Wait, you you've never run a business selling tamales, have you? <laughs> oh, that guy? Tamales. Those were good tamales, though. Um, do you want some tamales? <laughs> he was so weird, do dude. He just says, like, do you want some tamales? It's got really tamales. breathy. Th- then he had this, like, this Did he ever tell you the same story <laughs> over and over hey. yes, and over Andy again? Like <laughs> he looked like Mark Twain. He did. He looked a lot like Mark Twain. Fuck, he looked like Mark Twain, didn't he? But no, here's, here's the worst part. Then I saw him walk way up the street one day and get in a baller-ass Mercedes and drive away. <laughs> no. I shit you not. I don't no, even tell me if you're guy. making that up or not. I just want to believe it. It's it true. He gets in this badass Mercedes, and I'm like, oh, the tamale guy? Like, he's killing it. I think, if, you, I think, if you ever want to come to Tin City and the tamale guy. The tamale guy. Know. We'll give you a discount. OG cred. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Tin City Podcast. I'm thankful to, for the tamale guy. <laughs> of course you are. What? Because he moved out? Like, He's not my neighbor anymore. Pour yeah. some more chocolate love. We got to... <laughs> <laughs> Pour some chocolate love on me. I love sarcastic balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I hope everybody thinks we're as cool as we Cheers, guys. Let's get to the podcast. All next one. I am